Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Hello again, Sixpack Warriors. Welcome back to The Cantankerous Catholic, episode 136. Have you ever met a knight of Malta? This week we're going to introduce you to one, but he's a man you've probably never heard of who's most likely touched your Catholic life in some way. In a moment, we're going to meet Raymond D'Souza. The Mafia has an interesting and logical hierarchy. At the top of the food chain is the boss of the bosses. Then there's the territorial bosses. Next are the capos. Finally, you have the soldiers. The Sicilian Mafia is all but gone in America, but we have another kind of Mafia-like criminal organization. It's called the Lavender Mafia, and it has overwhelmingly infiltrated the USCCB. Because Chicago is the primatial sea in America, Cardinal Blaise Supich is the boss of the bosses. The territorial bosses are his fellow bishops who belong to the Lavender Mafia. Their capos are the diocesan chancellors and vicars. The foot soldiers are all those priests who agree with the criminal bishops or they're too cowardly to courageously oppose the heresies and sins of the Lavender Mafia bishops. The Sicilian Mafia made all its ill-gotten wealth through strong-arming, lying, cheating, and stealing. The Lavender Mafia is no different, except they wear ecclesiastical robes that give them the appearance of legitimacy. Make no mistake, the Lavender Mafia is every bit as evil as the Sicilian Mafia. Through the Catholic Campaign for Human Development, they promote abortion, socialism, defunding the police, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, contraception, and illegal immigration. Worst of all, they do it with your money. They lie to you in never-ending appeals and strong-arm the money through parish taxes of the money you give the parish. They depend on your money. Well, you can fight back. Until our bishops begin doing as they ought, we shouldn't give them a dime. So I invite you to download Catholic Bogus Bucks. Catholic Bogus Bucks are intended to send a clear message to these criminal mafia-like bishops. They're great for wayward parish priests as well. Best of all, they're free to anyone who wants them. Try them out. This Sunday at collection time, assuming you're not happy with your parish priest, you know, the criminals who just haven't been promoted to bishop yet, Drop a Catholic bogus buck in the collection basket rather than your hard-earned money. Message received. And the next time your bishop sends an envelope he's demanding that you fill with your hard-earned money to finance his criminal activity, fill it with Catholic bogus bucks instead. Catholic bogus bucks are easy to use. All you have to do is download the bucks and print all of them you want. They're free. Let me say that again, they're free. To get your bogus bucks, go to cantankerouscatholic.com slash evil dash bishops. 
As Raymond D'Souza likes to say, he's Brazilian by birth, Catholic by the grace of God, and an American by choice. He's the delegate for international missions for Human Life International and regularly travels all over the world to represent HLI in mission activities to refute the culture of death and proclaim the gospel of life. He's also a host on EWTN, an apologist and evangelist. Raymond's lived a colorful life in the service of the church. I first met Raymond at an event at the Shrine of Our Lady Guadalupe with Raymond Leo Cardinal Burke in Wisconsin about a decade ago. We hit it off there, but we began building our friendship in Kansas City about five months later when we shared a dais at a conference. He and I sat up most of the night in the hotel lounge sipping martinis and swapping stories about our work in evangelization and apologetics. Today, he and I are colleagues at The Wander, where we both have columns. Raymond has sparked some much-needed controversy in the Catholic world recently by writing a multi-part series of articles titled Stop Sacrilegious Communion Now. In this series, Raymond calls out the bishops of the USCCB for not defending the Eucharist and the human life. That's why I asked him to be a guest on The Cantankerous Catholic. Let's listen. Six-Pack Warriors, we're privileged to have Raymond D'Souza with us today. I've known Raymond for about a decade, and you can believe it when I say he's a real warrior for Christ. Raymond is Brazilian by birth, and he's made a real impact on American Catholicism since he's been here in America. Raymond D'Souza is a name you're probably not familiar with, which speaks volumes about his humility, but I can almost guarantee your Catholic life has been touched in some way by this man's work. Raymond, welcome to the Cantankerous Catholic. Thank you very much, Joe. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, we're glad to have you. Raymond, since the six-pack warriors probably aren't familiar with you, at least by name, uh, would you please tell us a bit about yourself and what you do? Yes, in, in, the simple, in simple terms, I am Brazilian by birth, Catholic by grace, and American by choice. I moved into the United States about 12 years ago, and uh, I came in legally, by the way, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, applied for residence, uh, had a job, and then the, in the end I became a citizen. I have uh, dedicated my life since my late teens and early 20s to the, to the defense of the Catholic faith. Amen. I remember in, I am in Brazil, I was, a, in, I was 19 years old, and I saw a priest preaching Marxism from the pulpit in the church. And I realized that's something that uh, should never be. And I dedicated my life to oppose this, and I have done so, especially with the liberation theology, which was very much promoted in Latin America. I became uh, studied, I studied the matter and tried to refute those priests and bishops, and that's the amazing thing. The main problem is inside the Holy Mother Church, not outside. In the old days, we used to fight, we Catholics used to fight the enemy, the Muslims, the Protestants. No, no, now it's the other way around. It's inside. And so I dedicated my life to this goal. I moved to Canada, where I learned both French and English in Canada, because Portuguese is my, my native language. I lived in South Africa, in New Zealand, Australia, France, 
and now here in the States, here to stay, um, God willing to promote the faith. And especially, that's my latest initiative. I am literally blasting those bishops and priests who give Holy Communion to politicians who support abortion. This is the most scandalous thing we could ever imagine. To, to think that there are bishops and priests who are immoral, lead immoral lives, are womanizers, or are homosexuals, this is, is a horrible thing. But to support politicians who agree with the killing of innocent people, innocent children who are killed, and this idiot we have here in the White House, who uh, signed the law allowing abortion up to the moment of birth. It is unthinkable, unthinkable this. But that's what the situation is, and I dedicated my life in, uh, with the help of, uh, of my, my children, my family, to promote the Catholic teaching. I specialize, for example, in promoting Catholic apologetics. When I was in Australia, I produced a course of apologetics I had about 60 lessons, one hour each in CDs, which is the largest all ever made in the world was that one, which begins de defending the faith from the uh, zero, from the ground up. That is to say, the truth is objective and not subjective. We don't invent the truth, we discover it. Then we show that God exists, not because of faith, but because of science. We, are, we believe in the God's existence because we know the reality around us. Then we, we study the divinity of Christ. I have a podcast with Australia once a month on the first um, Thursday of every month here in the States, first Friday in Australia. And the last month I dealt with the divinity of Christ. Why should we believe that um, that carpenter who lived in an obscure province of the Roman Empire some 2,000 years ago, who was uh, crucified like a common criminal between thieves, was he God in the flesh? We investigated that. And then did Christ found a specific church? If so, which one? Is it the, uh, the, the this one or that one? The other? He cannot have founded contradictory churches. Today we have, I don't know if you're aware of this, but we have in America today, uh, 45,000 different churches. Yes. Can you imagine Jesus saying to Peter, Peter, you are you a are rock, and upon this rock I'll build my 45,000 churches in America. It's crazy. It's ridiculous. <laughs> he founded one church, and he proved that it was the Roman Catholic Church, and so on, Amen. so on, and so forth. The, we must strengthen the faith of Catholics. Pope John Paul II had a beautiful initiative when he said, we must now re-evangelize the baptized. Amen. Re-evangelize the baptized. Because in the last 50 years or so, roughly after the Council of Vatican II, uh, apologetics became uh, some old-fashioned. Old I remember the uh, prefect for the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, Cardinal Levad, was an American. He, he followed uh, uh, Cardinal Ratzinger in the congregation, the Holy Office. And he said, after the council, the uh, apologetics, the defense of the faith, became old-fashioned. We must right. return to that. Yes, we must return to that. And today, by God's grace, here in America, there is a, a 
plethora of uh, different Catholic apologists, lay people. Funnily enough, lay people. Very few clergymen are involved in this. It's mainly That's us. That's true. The laity, mainly us. Defending the faith, promoting the faith, strengthening Catholics in their certitude of the truth and beauty and goodness of the Holy Mother Church. And well, then, Raymond. Yeah. Well, then, Raymond. If I if 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 I'm interpreting you properly, yeah. what you're really saying is whether they ever use apologetics or not, every Catholic needs to learn apologetics because it reinforces their faith in what we believe. Is that is that a true statement? Absolutely, because there is a clear distinction between catechism and apologetics. Catechism teaches us what we must believe. Apologetics teaches us how to defend what we must believe. So both go hand in hand. That's why uh, um, it's so important to have uh, the promotion of apologetics. And I hope that, uh, God willing, when I, I will start a, bro- uh, a podcast in uh, online, I'll be every time I'll be defending one aspect of the faith, asking people to, me, to ask questions. For example... I used to live in Australia, and uh, in Perth, the uh, in the Cathedral of Perth, we had uh, the bishop was a good friend of mine, and we had um, a program called the Cathedral Youth Forum. Once a month, people came, mostly young people, to the cathedral, and they simply bombarded me with questions. That was the idea to answer the questions that the young people are asking. And that's what uh, I did. God really was a very good, uh, very good uh, uh, results that we had, and uh, I hope to have a similar situa- situation online. Yeah, the way I describe what you said earlier to my listeners and my readers is that the catechism tells us what to believe. Yes, apologetics tells us why we exactly. believe it, exactly. and. To me, that's so important. You know, whenever I uh, went through the process of conversion, my godfather, people don't believe this when I say it, but it's true. He worked, first of all, I made him prove everything the Catholic Church teaches. I mean, everything from the existence of God to the inspiration of Scripture, because I didn't believe any of it. And he worked with me. God love him. He worked with me every single day. And I fortunately was in the position that we were able to work together every day, a minimum of eight hours per day. And it took him nine consecutive months to prove to me the Catholic faith. But the good thing about it is nobody can shake that faith because Mm -hmm. he really taught me apologetics. Catechism first. Here's what we believe. Now, apologetics. Here's why we believe it. I thought that was great. Raymond, the primary reason I invited you on the show at this particular time is because of a series of articles you've been publishing in The Wanderer and Church Militant called Stop Sacrilegious Communions Now. Please tell us why this topic and why now. The reality is that sadly enough, about 70% of church-going Catholics 
no longer believe in the real presence of our Lord Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament. That was a Pew survey carried out last year and concluded that 70%. Now, if 1% of Catholics did not believe, it would be bad enough. But 70% is absurd, this is scandalous. What is the clergy doing? People, we are becoming basically Protestants. Amen. That's it. Don't believe in the real presence. That is a, a crucial point. Uh, Conditio sine qua non, there's no way out of this. If I do not believe in the real presence, I am not a Catholic, which means that 70% of Catholics in America are ceasing to be Catholic, are becoming Protestants under the name, the label Catholic. Now, when I realized that that's the survey had carried, had, been, had taken place, and the uh, the average priest I know of just shrugged his shoulders, oh, well, yeah, we must do something about it. So, don't you realize the, the, the greatest gift that our Lord Jesus Christ gave to us was the Holy Eucharist, where we adore, adore that piece of bread is not bread. It's our Lord Amen. and Savior Jesus Christ. His body, blood, soul, and divinity in it has been the teaching of the church for the last 2,000 years. Then I realized that um, the priests and bishops, the evil priests and bishops, who give Holy Communion to an abortionist politician, they are actually damning the souls of those politicians. They are actually hating them because they are maintaining them in a constant state of grievous sin. Thus they shut the doors of the kingdom of heaven to those politicians and to themselves. That's what our Lord Jesus Christ said in the gospel, chapter 23 of St. Matthew's. When he said, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you shut down the doors of the kingdom of heaven. Now that you enter, not allow anybody else to get in. Woe to you, you are whitewashed sepulchres, which outside to people look nice, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all kinds of filthiness. You, you swallow a camel and restrain out a gnat. Our Lord was very clear and gave them a lesson that today is applicable to the evil bishops and priests who have betrayed him and are, and are giving Holy Communion to the um, politicians. They forget one thing. St. Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he says, those who eat the body of the Lord and drink his blood in a way that is not proper, they purchase for themselves damnation. Amen. Damnation. This is serious. This is a very serious thing. We cannot receive unworthy communions. If we are in a state of mortal sin, have the humility of refraining from receiving the Holy Communion. Go to confession first. Confess your sins to somebody who has the power to forgive. The priest does. But the people who are to receive, oh, that's all right. That's okay. Because if they believe it's just a piece of bread, then the, the faith is destroyed, basically. Therefore, I invite every single layman, especially from the laity, not so much from the clergy because they, there are lots of problems involved with the clergy today, but invite the laity to make a kind of a crusade of revival 
of adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. And when you go to the chapel to make an hour of adoration, we usually can uh, add the uh, intention of a for the uh, end of the crime of abortion. Yes, of course, but also offer to God reparation for the sin committed by those bishops and priests who insist on giving Holy Communion to uh, people who live in mortal sin of supporting murder. As you can tell, this is a subject that Raymond is very passionate about. We should all be passionate about it. This is the type of service he's given the church since he was a teenager. If you like this, you'll want to hear the rest of the interview next week. Be sure to check out Raymond's links in my show notes. Hey, Simon Rafe here, Chief of Staff at Church Militant. Come on over to our website, churchmilitant.com, and get an honest view of all things going on inside and outside the church. We're the fastest-growing Catholic media apostolate in the world, and we have one mission— and that is serving Catholics like you. We have daily discussion, commentary, and news to keep you informed. So what are you waiting for? Visit churchmilton.com today. Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, wants to make sure you're informed about all the Catholic news you need to know. Here's Joe Sixpack's top five Catholic news picks for this episode. Catholic news pick number five. Hats off to Breitbart. 20% of unaccompanied migrant children who illegally crossed the border tested positive for COVID-19, according to a leaked presidential briefing document reported on by NBC News. Border Patrol agents apprehended more than 200,000 migrants in July, NBC reported. Official numbers are expected to be released later this week. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 4 Hats off to the blaze. Representative Andy Biggs of Arizona announced Friday that he intends to file articles of impeachment against the Homeland Security Secretary over the Biden administration's handling of illegal immigration at the southern border. As a result of his actions and policies, America is more in danger today than when he began serving as secretary. He is willfully refusing to maintain operational control of the border and is encouraging aliens to enter our country illegally, said Biggs. No, 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 no! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic Catholic News Pick number number three. Hats off to U.S. News. Dr. Marty Marcari says, I'm pro-vaccine, but blanket requirements outside of health care go too far. As a physician with a lot of experience dealing with patients who don't follow what we ask them to do, I believe you win more bees with honey than fire. Would you get a load of that? You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic Catholic News News Pick pick number two. Hats off to the blaze. Celebrities and politicos celebrated former President Barack Obama's 60th birthday over the weekend in Martha's Vineyard. Photos and videos of the event showed Obama and most guests not wearing masks despite the county being designated as a high transmission area for COVID-19. 
The updated CDC guidance urges Americans, even those who received a COVID shot, to wear masks indoors in high-transmission areas. What applies to us doesn't apply to them. It's Obama's way of saying, let them eat cake. Despicable! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic Catholic news pick number one. Hats off to the Washington Examiner. The Senate convened in a rare Sunday session as lawmakers continue to bargain over the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill. The bill cleared a major hurdle on Saturday, but Republican senators are looking for ways to delay or prevent passage. Senator Bill Haggerty had held up the measure on Saturday to allow for more debate and amendment proposals. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said the Senate will not adjourn for the traditional August recess until the bill moves to final passage. With several trillions of dollars of debt already established, we're all feeling the effects at the supermarket. Now tax and spend politicians apparently want you paying $10 for a loaf of bread. We're watching you. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. I am hard, but I am fair. It's time for the Catholic Boot Camp with your drill sergeant, Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Learn the Catholic faith and how to defend it like you've never heard it before. This boot camp is tough, so there's no political correctness, no spirit of Vatican II, and no namby-pamby platitudes. Drill Sergeant Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, will prepare you for spiritual war. Now here's Joe Sixpack. There's an old Catholic joke that's loaded with truth, just as many of them are. It seems one day Jesus was walking around heaven with St. Peter. Peter knows Jesus kept making a surprised expression on his face as certain people walked by. Peter knew what was on his Lord's mind and was waiting for the axe to fall. After a while, Jesus finally asked St. Peter, Why are all of these people here who I haven't let into heaven, Peter? Nervous and exasperated, Peter replied, Lord, it's your mother's fault. How is it my mother's fault, he asked. Peter replied, when these folks show up wanting into heaven, and I know you haven't given them permission, I close the door. But every time I close a door, your mother opens a window. Jesus merely smiled and dropped the subject. The Blessed Virgin Mary has always been our Lord's chief evangelist, and that explains why she's able to open windows when St. Peter closes doors. So I'd like to take a moment to talk to you about the mother of us all. Perhaps the very best source in all of sacred scripture to learn about the Blessed Virgin Mary is the Gospel according to Luke. This Gospel is sometimes referred to as the Gospel of Mary, because it's obvious Luke interviewed Mary before he wrote his wonderful and exciting account of the life of Christ. Non-Catholics, and sadly, many Catholics seem to poo-poo the idea that Mary was anything other than a necessary means of getting the second person of the Trinity to earth in human form. However, we see every step of the way that she was much more than that. Being immaculately conceived, another topic for a 
future Catholic boot camp, Mary had neither personal sin nor the stain of original sin. Therefore, her will was always perfectly in tune to the will of the Trinity. Of course, Mary never knew she'd been immaculately conceived, so when Gabriel greeted her with the title Full of Grace in Luke one twenty-eight, Mary was troubled by this greeting. After greeting her, Gabriel offered her the opportunity to become the mother of the Messiah, the mother of God. No, contrary to what those opposed to Mary and devotion would have us believe, the angel didn't merely inform her what she was to do and then leave her. He was truly asking her. You'll note in Luke 1, 26-38, after the angel told her what God wanted, he patiently waited for Mary to make her decision. Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. Then scripture says, and the angel departed from her. If you have any doubt about the angel's courtesy in making his request, and not a demand, from God, compare how he dealt with Zechariah when announcing the coming of John the Baptist to him and his wife Elizabeth. From that moment, Mary knew she had been given a very special role in salvation history, and that her child would indeed be more than a mere prophet. The Holy Spirit also revealed this to her cousin Elizabeth when Mary went to stay with her until John was born. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Then Mary went on to recite what we call the Magnificat, in which she prophesied that henceforth all generations will call me blessed. The entire first two chapters of Luke deal with nothing but Mary's divine maternity and Jesus' entrance into the world. You should read it carefully and meditatively. It's a real eye-opener. Perhaps the greatest indicator of Mary's role in Christ's plan of salvation for mankind is found in the second chapter of John's Gospel. On the third day there was a marriage feast at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the marriage with his disciples. When the wine failed, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, O woman, what have you to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother simply turned to the servants and said, Do whatever he tells you. We all know what happened next. The servants filled six large stone jars with water, and Jesus turned it into wine. But this is an incredibly pregnant passage, and you should examine it more closely. Mary, always concerned for others and fearful of seeing the newlyweds embarrassed by the lack of wine for the feast, informed her son of the problem with an implied request to do something about it. Jesus tells her his time has not yet come. He's basically saying, Look, Mom, you know that if I begin my public ministry now, there will be no turning back. You know why I came into the world, and creating wine now will be the beginning of the end. Are you ready for that? Mary responded to her son by turning to the servants, saying, Do whatever he tells you. Mary's heart and will were perfectly in tune with her sons. She knew his first public miracle would hasten an end to their earthly mother and son relationship, but she loved God and his people far more than she loved that natural and supernatural bond. 
And this is what Mary has been doing since that day. For 20 centuries, she's been telling us to do whatever he tells you. That's why she gave us the rosary, the brown scapular, and her messages through church-approved apparitions like Fatima, Lourdes, Akita, Banu, and Guadalupe. She has given us warnings, pled with us for our prayers to Almighty God, implored us to renounce our desires of the flesh so as to avoid hell, insisted that we share the faith with others, and interceded for us by begging her son to be patient a little longer and hold back his hand for a much-deserved punishment on mankind, a punishment I fear we can no longer escape. Mary continues today to open windows to heaven for us. She never stops doing so. She's the mother of God, the second person of the Holy Trinity, Jesus Christ. What son will ignore the pleas of his mother? Certainly Jesus proved that he wouldn't and doesn't. Because she's his mother, she's also our mother. She pleads with us to turn from the world and turn toward her son. It's long past the time for us to do that, but not too late. Jesus said in Revelation 3, verses 15 and 16, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were cold or hot. So because you were lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. So it's time for us to get serious about our holy and ancient faith. Time for us to follow Mary as she leads us to her son when she says, Do whatever he tells you. As you know, I don't like asking for your financial support. I always want a win-win situation whenever possible. Well, I've got a way for you to help this apostolate without you having to do anything you're not already doing. Everybody shops on Amazon. I've developed an affiliate relationship with Amazon. When you visit cantankerouscatholic.com and click on the episodes page, blog page, or about the show page, on the right-hand side of the page you'll see Amazon ads for Catholic books and merchandise. There's no price difference from Amazon's site, but if you click on something you're interested in and buy it, Amazon will pay me a small commission just for you clicking on that ad. It doesn't stop there either. Anytime you're on Amazon and find things you want to buy, send me the link to the items and I'll send you another link to click when you're ready to buy. You won't pay a dime more for the item, but Amazon will pay me a commission. That way you can help to financially support this apostolate just by doing what you were going to do anyway. Remember, Visit the episodes, blog, and about the show pages to find Catholic books and merchandise, and send me links to other things you want to buy on Amazon, and I'll send you links that will pay this apostolate a small commission. And I thank you in advance for your support. The Catholic Church is 2,000 years old. A lot of wisdom is gained over two millennia. Each week we'll share some of that wisdom with a Catholic quote. So here's this week's Catholic quote. This week's Catholic quote is from St. Anthony of Padua. He said, The creator of the heavens obeys a carpenter. The God of eternal glory listens to a poor virgin. Has anyone ever witnessed anything comparable to this? Let the philosopher no longer disdain from listening to the common laborer, 
the wise to the simple, the educated to the illiterate, a child of a prince to a peasant. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. Jimmy had been sent to bed by his mother for using profane language. When his father came home, she sent him upstairs to punish the boy. I'll teach that young brat about swearing, he roared, and started up the stairs. He tripped on the top step and fell flat on his face. His wife covered her ears for a few moments because of his language. You'd better come down now, she called up after the air had somewhat cleared. He's had enough for his first lesson. Later, Jimmy used some of the language he'd heard from his father while he was playing in the street. A well-dressed lady heard him and said, Sonny, aren't you ashamed of using such terrible language? He yelled back, That's nothing, lady. You ought to hear my old man. Jimmy's father was teaching him evil habits by bad example. To give a bad example is to hurt the soul of another person. It's worse when that other person's your own child. Giving bad example is called scandal, and it's a sin against the fifth commandment. This has been The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Thanks for subscribing, and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It.